lift you up today in this place. Isn't God good? Amen. Whatever you're going through today, just be, praise him today in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, break us, Father God.
to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us, and all who will believe, will sing the song of ages to the Lamb.
receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have being that's who we worship today so let's just take a moment let's just let's just say even the word holy just worship him holy holy is the lord holy is our god holy is our lord honor to your name worship to you O god majesty to you uh, power and might are yours greatness is yours we honor you worthy is the Lord worthy is the Lord worthy is our God we agree we agree with what happens in your throne room today Lord you are all those things and even more and we worship you we do we worship you with all that we have today honor to you honor to you honor to you Lord thank you for being able to sing your praises today having a voice to do it and having a mind to think we are grateful and we say all these things in Jesus mighty name amen 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 hey we are so glad to see you today uh, I know some of you are here to pray for your team to win today um, it's not how it works, but, you know, we're glad you're here anyways. And, um, but I hope you, uh, just as we just take a few minutes, I hope you experience the presence of God today as we're here. But let's take a few minutes and greet each other today. God bless you guys. As I said earlier, welcome to Praise Assembly. And if you are our guest today, maybe you came, a friend invited you, maybe you looked us up online, um, you know, maybe a couple different reasons, but you're here. We just want to say thank you, and we would love it if you would fill out this Connect card. And please, at the conclusion of our worship time, if you would head out to our lobby and turn this in to our guest services desk, they have a couple gifts for you. Be a, a tremendous help to us. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. We're going to receive, we're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering just to give you a heads up and let you know, because a couple of you have asked. Uh, we are going to be receiving a second offering okay so not that this is our, our tithe uh, maybe you give regular admissions or you give to youth or kids ministry whatever this is your regular offering there's going to be a second offering which we're going to take for the earthquake victims uh, in Turkey and parts of Syria 
And so um, uh, that is going to be uh, just in, in, in a few minutes after the announcements, we'll take that second offering. So ushers, thank you for preparing for that. If you say, I would love to give today, I'm not prepared to do that. Uh, if you go on your phone to our site, to resources, we have a giving button. And what we're able to do there is if you want to give towards um, the uh, offering today for Convoy of Hope for Syria, uh, or for Turkey and for Syria, there's actually a button, it'll say Convoy of Hope One Day, One Day Offering. And that one day offering is what you want to give to, even though this isn't one day to feed the world, um, our bookkeeper will know uh, the, the monies that are coming in will be diverted towards that need specifically, okay? And if you have a checkbook, you want to write out a check for that second offering, that's fine too. But I just want to give you some instructions so you would know what to do. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege and the honor to give. And I pray your blessing over this offering. God, let it, let it, uh, be, uh, let it be used to accomplish the work of your kingdom, of seeing people come to know you in Jesus' name, amen. And I heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I heard the tender whisper of Good, good father, it's who you are. 
Thanks again, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Hey, a few announcements. If you came in today, you got your bulletin. Um, I'd like to direct your attention to the screen because we just had uh, this past last weekend, uh, we had our uh, first ever youth retreat. And it's just us. We were up there at uh, Majorno Conference Center, had a great weekend, and uh, got, had some opportunity to meet with God. And the, the theme for the weekend was hearing from God. And we also did some skiing and tubing up there. So check this out. By the way, Brandon, young Brandon, did not make that shot. Just said it. it looked really good coming out of his hands. I mean, it was just really a good shot. And uh, anyway, so they uh, they had a they had a great time. Um, hey, we have uh, some announcements here to make this morning. And is there a reason everybody's still up here? Oh, oh, for this. Oh, I thought we were just going to play some. Okay. Thank you. You got to see behind where the sausage is made behind here. Okay. So I'm like, why is everyone still here? Um, anyways, uh, events we have coming up. Let me, let me kind of talk about these a little bit. Out in the lobby, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a glass jar with a big cow. You probably saw it when you came in. Uh, that's our Chick-fil-A night this coming Wednesday night. Uh, if you'd like to order a Chick-fil-A sandwich, uh, please do that. Uh, all proceeds go to Speed the Light. So we'd appreciate that for this, uh, this coming um, Wednesday night. Also, honor-bound men's breakfast will be this Saturday, the 18th. And uh, last month we talked about sons and uh, parenting sons. And this this uh, week we're going to be talking about fathering, uh, specifically how to how to lead daughters. So if you have some daughters, you want to be at that. I've got some daughters, and uh, so I'm going to be there. And uh, but it's a great time always. Uh, Wednesday night Bible study, where we have two more sessions for the uh, series Balanced, Gaining and Maintaining Financial Stability. And that's uh, Wednesday night at 7. Also, be prepared because we have coming up in three weeks from today is going to be our, uh, our missions convention weekend. Missionary Dwayne Danielson from Bangladesh will be here and in the morning with us at 10 a.m. And that night we have our international banquet and again, this is, this is Pastor's favorite. It's, it's literally his favorite time of year. It's the most wonderful. That's, that's him. This is this banquet. And so please, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your nationality, please bring food from that. That would be uh, a, a tremendous blessing on that. And then also in regards to youth ministry, make sure we check out and parents remember, and, and uh, as I'm sending out email reminders, midwinter fun day, because in the middle of winter, if we've even had winter yet, um, in the middle of winter, you just want to do something fun. And we've got that for President's Day. Students have that day off. And we have some stuff going on here during that Monday. So make note of that. And the last announcement is two weeks from today, we have our annual church business meeting, which will be directly following this service. And that's all the announcements that I have, except for this one, is that we will be receiving an offering for, um, uh, for to provide relief and help to those that have been uh, impacted by the earthquakes in Turkey. And before we do, before we pray, uh, there's a video we want to be able to show you. 
Convoy of Hope is responding to the multiple earthquakes that have killed more than 20,000 people in Turkey and Syria. A powerful 7.8 magnitude quake rocked that region last Monday, leveling buildings, trapping thousands and thousands of people beneath the rubble. Tragically, the death toll will rise as rescuers attempt to find survivors. But snowy winter weather and more than 300 violent aftershocks have made rescue efforts frustratingly slow. Convoy of Hope is in the process of delivering food, water, and other essentials to the impact zone. Clothing, tents, sleeping bags, diapers, and baby formula are all in high demand. Fuel will soon become a major concern. This is a dark time. The tragedy of what has happened and the amount of human suffering is really difficult to process. In moments like these, hope can feel far away, but we know God is at work, even in the darkest of times. latest tally this morning, those numbers have exceeded 33,000. And uh, you just can't wrap your brain around that. I mean, some of you live in communities that aren't 33,000 people. And uh, the amount of impact is just, it really is overwhelming. And it's so hard to really wrap your mind around it when you're, when you're so far away. But if you can imagine, and I always try to do that when something happens, I try to imagine what, what would I be going through? What would that be like for, for me and for my family? So. Uh, we're going to give in just a moment. We're going to pray, and then we're going to give. Uh, but just, uh, you know, it could, be, it could be an aunt or an uncle. It could be somebody else impacted in your life. Think about that, and let's give accordingly today. Not under compulsion, not under guilt, but just out of love for, for, uh, for, for people. Father in heaven, we recognize your greatness today. And Lord, it breaks our hearts that we live in such a, a broken world. It's broken at every level. And Lord, you see this tragedy that has happened. And Lord, you are working in the middle of it all. God, I thank you for using Christians, using people to, to, to bring hope to others. Lord, I pray blessing on every relief worker, that you would help them, that you would give them strength and courage today. God, I pray for uh, churches and pastors and leaders. I pray that you would use them mightily in the middle of this all to be able to bring hope to people. Lord, let supplies that Convoy of Hope and other organizations will bring, let them get to where they need to be quickly, swiftly. Lord, let bureaucracy and different things that tend to slow things down, let that be able to be pushed aside and let light come into a dark situation. God, use this, this whole scenario to bring people to you, to bring people eternal hope. And Lord, I pray you would take this offering and let it bless, Lord, uh, thousands of people. Lord, we give it to you with grateful hearts for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, you're going to get tired of hearing my voice at the end of today. Uh, but hey, three weeks today, again, just a reminder, we're going to be hosting our annual missions convention night. And I really encourage you to come out to that, uh, not only to that morning service to hear missionary Dwayne Danielson, uh, but also to be a part of what's happening that evening. It's not just about food. It's about an opportunity to hear what God is doing around the world. And uh, what a great, what a great uh, opportunity that, that is going to be. And just a reminder also uh, to high school students, um, young adults and high school, not middle school, high school students. Uh, we're going to be in the cafe tonight watching the game. And we're going to have some good food and uh, just hanging out. It's going to be a good time. So uh, please come check that out. Uh, DM us. Let us know if you're going to be there so that we can, uh, uh, we've kind of already planned, but that'll help us. If you can do that, that would be a tremendous help. And let us know. Uh, but again, uh, the missions convention, three weeks, it's a super, super important part of their year. And uh, today, I've been tasked to talk about going, to go. And um, I want to talk about going with the good news specifically the gospel into the world. Um, there's, a, there's a problem, however, and I, don't, I, I think this is a problem that, that probably across North America is a problem. It isn't that it's a problem to go. It's not a problem to go. To go is what, what Christians, what we should do. As I've said it before, you know, fish swim, Dogs bark, lions roar, Christians give, right? And as much as lions roar and fish swim, Christians, we should, we should be people that go. Bring good news wherever we go. But the problem is this, and please track with me here on this. Sometimes we don't want to go. We just don't want to go. We think somebody else will do it. Or maybe we're, just, maybe we're just flat disobedient. We just, we've got other things going on. We just, we just don't want to be the one to go to bring good news. We don't want to do it. Sometimes we are too busy to go. Maybe there's work happening. There's projects going on. Maybe there's sports happening. Maybe there's vacations going on. Maybe we're even so busy just with all the different things we do here that we don't go. Maybe we're just too busy to go. Sometimes we are afraid to go. We're afraid to go. We're afraid of people, what people will think, what people will say, how it will impact our lives. We don't want to go because we're afraid. We're afraid we don't know enough. We're afraid that we, we, we somehow are inadequate and maybe it's for someone else and, and so we, we don't go. Maybe for you here, we don't go because we feel powerless to go. Maybe time with God is really not there, and that's really where you draw your power from. Um, one of the things that, that God has used us with as a fellowship historically is when the baptism of the Spirit um, came on people, there was an, a, a very clear call to go. The Assemblies of God as a fellowship, we began as a missionary organization. That's... It was, we're organizing to send people out to go. That's why we're organizing. We're not organizing to create some denomination 
or get together. We're organizing so that we can more efficiently and effectively go. And without that power to go, we're unable to go. You might be sitting here today, and, and for whatever reasons, you have not experienced the baptism of the Spirit. Or you have, but, but you really have neglected that, that gift that God has given you. And because of that, you don't have any power to be able to go. Or maybe secretly, we may even hate those that we must go to. I know that sounds kind of harsh. Maybe secretly, just quietly, I don't want to go to them. I don't like them. I don't like their look. I don't like what they do. I don't like them. And secretly, maybe that's in our lives. Maybe there's bitterness there, there's anger, there's outrage against, but we just don't want to go. And to address this problem, I want to look at the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. And many people who have never read the Bible in their life, maybe even never stepped into a church, have heard of Jonah. How many, from being a kid, you, you knew about Jonah? Yeah, most, most everyone. And, and there are many of you here, maybe you didn't grow up in a church, so you wouldn't have any reason to know, but you, you just know about Jonah. And, you know, Jonah and the whale, right? Or it's actually a big fish, but it could be a whale. Although whales are mammals, and that wouldn't count, right? But this is a large fish. And many people who have you know, never read the Bible have heard about Jonah. But unfortunately, there is simply no one in the Bible that I can relate to more, and I would assume and guess with good certainty that you can relate to more than Jonah. Why, you might ask? I mean, you know what I mean. You know what to do, and you don't do it. How many can relate to that? You know what to do, and you don't do it. I can relate to Jonah. If I can relate to anybody in the Bible, man, I can relate to Jonah. Knowing what to do and not doing it. See, it's like this. Maybe, maybe this will bring it a little closer to home for you. Maybe things like loving your wife. You know to do that, but there's stuff going on. And you're like, Lord, that woman, I don't know. I know I'm supposed to, but, you know? Or how about respecting your husband? I know, but you don't know, Lord, how hard that is. How about things like forgiving? We know what to do. We don't want to do it. Respecting leaders in your life and people that are in authority in your life. But God, do you know what they're like? Do you know what they said? Trusting God with a situation. Taking up your cross. Loving your enemies. These are all things that, that many Christians, we know to do, right? We know to do it. And yet we don't want to do it. See, it's a book with, in the NIV, is about 1,254 words. I actually counted. No, I didn't. <laughs> I actually put it in a Word document. It counted for me. I took it. 1,254 words in this book. But yet it holds a profound message for us today. And I want to begin reading in the book of Jonah, 
chapter one. There's four chapters. If you wanted to, between now and the Super Bowl, you could go ahead and read Jonah if you wanted to. You just go read it. You know, it wouldn't take you very long at all. Jonah 1.1. It'll be up on the screen as well. Thank you for those in the back helping me with that. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, I'm going to pause there. Can you imagine getting an assignment from God? We're talking like book of the Bible worthy type assignment. We've, gotten, we've all gotten assignments from God that maybe are very humble and maybe not very noteworthy. You know, uh, I'm sure those yesterday that were at the, the Lego Derby, which was a fantastic event, by the way. How many were here yesterday? Let's give a hand to everyone that was a part of that event yesterday. What a great turnout, ran smoothly. And Dwight being Dwight this morning is talking to him, still trying to figure out how to make it better for next year. But, um, you know, we've all had assignments. I'm sure those that were here late last night cleaning up weren't like, man, people are going to remember me for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen, right? It's forgotten. Not by God, but by people. But here's Jonah who gets an assignment that is, again, book of the Bible type assignment. He doesn't know that at the time. He doesn't know his story will be, will be uh, told throughout history, known throughout Christendom everywhere. But it's that type of assignment. I mean, if I got an assignment that I knew was going to be, like, let's say this is pre-Bible pre, pre, uh, times, like ancient time, I, that there was something I was going to do and it would be known for, throughout history, I'm, sign me up, you know, I'll do that thing. And uh, so this is what Jonah gets. He gets the assignment of a lifetime. And the assignment is, go to this city. It's, it's a tremendous city, not only its size, but its scope, its fame. And you need to tell them something because their future is in peril and their character is wicked. It's wicked. And if I were a missionary here today and I told you I was going to Nineveh, if I was Jonah and I came here and I said, hey, I'm going to Nineveh and this is what it's like, you guys would take a big old fat offering for me. I know you would. I know you would. I, I mean, people would be dumping out their money and just saying, please, I mean, anything I can sell on Facebook Marketplace, I'm just going to get, it would just be this massive offering to go to Nineveh. If you knew what Nineveh were like, I'm sure this congregation would just say, hey, we want to we send you there and we want you to go. Well, verse 3 comes, but Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction. Now, have you ever done that? Don't, please do not raise your hands. If, if, I mean, let's just start at a base level. Have your parents, no matter how old or young you are here today, have your parents ever told you to do something over here and you went in that direction? Has that ever happened to anybody in this room? I, and in, in second grade, I had a teacher. She was near retirement age back then, Mrs. Bishop. You know, you know right now, she's a mean lady. And if your name's Bishop here, <laughs> If your name's Bishop here, it's a great name. It's a strong name. 
But we knew Mrs. Bishop, she didn't take nothing from nobody. And she told me, Hans, and I remember this as a second grader, sit in your chair. And what did I do? I'm not sitting in my chair. So she literally took this twine and tied me to my chair. That's what she did. Hey, this is the 70s, people. You can do that type of thing. And the, the 50s and 60s, where you grew up, some of you, it's even worse. And of course, I had to break out of it, because that's what you do when you're in second grade. Sit down, do the opposite. Maybe, maybe a parent's told you to do something. Do this over here, you know? Maybe you had that experience with God, that God has asked you to do something. He's really allowed you to understand and know, I need to be about this, or I need to do this. And yet, we do the opposite. A little background, Jonah was a native of the region of Galilee, the northern kingdom. That's where, that's where his home was. That's where he was from, where his family was from. And Nineveh is north and east of Jonah. And Tarshish, which would be modern-day Spain, is west. So he went the opposite of direction from God's call. And in contrast, Jonah's prophetic contemporary, uh, you know, the, the one that if, if you look at athletes, you know, that played in similar generations, their contemporaries, whether it be pitchers or hitters or running backs. So Amos's, uh, or Jonah's contemporary was, was Amos. Amos preached to the 12 tribes. He, he prophesied and for God for the, to the 12 tribes. But Jonah is asked to go to Nineveh. He's asked to go to the people that, that really are, have played an enormous role in why the northern kingdom is just a wreck. Um, and so he's asked to go there. And um, opposite of what Amos is asked to do, go to, the, go to your people, you know, call to them, turn, turn you know, from these, your wicked ways, do what's right, you know, uh, return to the Lord. He's, Jonah's not asked to do that. He's asked again to go to Nineveh. And his attitude can really be explained, and many rabbis in the, in, the, in the third century in their writings believe that it was an issue of jealousy. It was an issue of um, Jonah not wanting to have uh, Nineveh, a wicked people, an enemy of Israel, experience God when we need to experience God as a nation. The message that Amos is giving the nation of Israel, he wants Israel to respond to it. He doesn't want to give, uh, he doesn't want God to give Nineveh an opportunity. He wants us to experience it. It's like, it's like you want something to happen to your family. It's like, a, it's like a, if somebody came to you and said, hey, I need you to go to this family and tell them there's $100,000 for them. They just need to come here and get it. And you're like, why, why can't I tell my family that? You know, I want to tell my family that, but no, no, I need you to go to this family. I don't want to do that. So again, Jonah goes the opposite direction. His, his attitude is, is kind of like Jonathan, Jonathan Swift, the Irish pastor and, and uh, satirist who wrote Gulliver's Travels. He, he, wrote this, <laughs> he wrote this verse to kind of express how we are sometimes. He said, we are God's chosen few, all others will be damned. There is no place in heaven for you. We can't have heaven crammed. <laughs> that's, what, that's the attitude he expressed. And, 
And then for Jonah, that's really what it was like. I, I want our people to experience it. I don't want these people to experience it. I want us to experience it. And that really explains why he goes the, the opposite direction. See, the Israelites were becoming more and more wicked, godless, selfish, but they weren't the Ninevites. Even God says how bad they are. He's proclaiming judgment on them because they are wicked. I mean, don't you love it when the wicked get theirs? I mean, just talk about film, watching movies. Isn't it great when the bad guy gets all messed up? Isn't that fantastic? Or he gets blown up, or she, you know? Um, they get destroyed, they get wiped out, they get punched in the last scene. I mean, that's, that's the best. You know, maybe that's my carnal nature. It's the best when the bad guy gets his, you know. <gasps> you, 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 that's the best. Moving on in verse 3. To get away from the Lord, so he, he, went, he went in the opposite direction, to get away from the Lord, he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, if, if, if God asks you and I to do something that we don't particularly want to do, maybe we'll half do it, right? Kind of half-hearted. You know, it's like when your, your parents ask you to do something and you like do it, but inside you're like not doing it, but outwardly you're doing it half-heartedly, you, you know what I mean. You have experience with that. Or, or you skirt around the task and kind of obey, you know, maybe kind of justify actions, kind of like uh, Sam, uh, King Saul in the book of 1 Samuel 13. You know, wait, Samuel says to Saul, wait here. And he goes and he's waiting and he's waiting. But then his army's starting to leave, waiting for Samuel to come do the sacrifices so they can go into battle. And instead... He decides, I'm going to, you know, I've seen this done before. You know, I'm going to get the sacrifices rolling, get this thing moving. And uh, he he literally blows it, and Samuel calls him on it. So that kind of a thing. You know, maybe we do that, but not Jonah. Again, he went in the opposite direction. The book of Jonah says, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. And, you know, it's funny. Not only was he rebelling against God, going the opposite direction, but he even, he even told people that he does not know these sailors what he's doing. I mean, if, if I'm just outright disobeying God, do I really go and tell me I'm here just on this boat, you know, sailing to Tarshish because I just don't want to do what God wants me to do? Like, who tells somebody? He's so, he is so for not doing what God wants him to do, he actually tells, in, in, in verse 10 it says, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. So he tells these people he does not know, on this, this boat, the ship, I'm running away from God. Tells them. And uh, uh, does anybody here have any experience running away? Anybody here, you've ever run away in your life, as short as it might be? Anybody here? Okay, anybody from high school or middle school here ever run away? Okay, and don't, I mean, high school, middle school? Okay. How many 30 or over you've ever run away? No matter how short it was, you ran away. See, I'm seeing hands. Yeah. See, I have a theory about this. 
See, like, I, I ran away one time. I was about, about seven or eight years old. I, ran, I must have been from Mrs. Bishop, getting tied to my chair. Somehow my parents were treating me unjustly. I threatened to run away. And the big thing back in the day was this. Your parents would go, okay, right? And they'd help you pack, right? They really wanted to promote you going and getting hit by vehicles and just like being abducted. Just go, you know, get out of here then if you don't like it in this place. And that's, that was kind of the, the mentality. Am I, am, I, am I lying? Yeah, if I'm lying, I'm dying. It's really true. But like today, I don't think anyone runs away because why would you want to run away? Like you have an arcade in your room, you have a TV. Like, you know what I ran away from in my room at, say, eight years old? Like, I had a book. I had some clothes. I, I don't even know. I, mean, I probably had a bed, you know? Like, I could run away from that. I'm sure I could find, duplicate those things somewhere. But today, no one wants to run away. Parents aren't packing, you know? They're not packing. And I actually ran away. I lived in a triple-decker apartment, so I grew up um, not, not in the city, but we still had triple-deckers, and I know those are kind of synonymous with city living, but it was just a big apartment. You'd walk in the front door, boom, there was our apartment and the door to the basement, walk up those stairs, second floor, walk up those stairs, third floor. And I ran away to the second floor landing is what I did. I took my bag, and I headed up there, and I just sat there. And I didn't even know if my neighbors were home. I don't even remember. But I remember eventually, I don't know, it seemed like an hour, but it was probably five minutes later, my mom came and said, hey, you ready to come home? And I'm like, sure, you know. You know, it's just, and, and I don't know, and then she made me some dinner and I went to bed. I don't even remember how it all ended. But if you've ever ran away, some of you may have a more, like you actually ran away, like you like took off and went to a different city. I mean, God bless you, I hope you didn't do that, but maybe some of you did. If you ever run away, you know, here's Jonah, and he's not only doing it, but he's telling everyone about it. And he refuses to follow God's plan and directive with vigor. Like he's doing it. He's, I am not doing this, period. That's the mentality we're seeing here, okay? He's asked to go, no. So clear that I'm going to tell people, and I'm going to go the opposite direction, and that's it. Verse 4. Book of Jonah, chapter 1. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. And fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him, how can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up. Pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. I mean, can you imagine this guy's sleeping? I mean, he's literally being rocked to sleep. You know, he's down in the hold, probably dry, fast asleep, and the captain has to come down and say, idiot, what are you doing? Pray do something or we're all going to die. Verse 7. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? 
What is your nationality? I mean, they're, they're wanting to get to the bottom. What, who in the world? You told us you'd run away from God, but who are you? And Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this. For he had already told them he was running from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. So here are people, people that work on the water are tough people. I don't care if it's today or 100 years ago or 3,000 years ago. Or, uh, there, was a, uh, there was a young man that, uh, his name was Logan, and he uh, went to, to school with, uh, with my kids in Chestertown. And his dad was a waterman uh, off Rock Hall. And this kid would go at certain times of the year. He would go to work in the morning at about 4 and work for a few hours and then take a shower and come and go to school. And here's a kid, like a sophomore, junior, senior in high school. His hands are like sandpaper. And like his grip, I have, I have one of those gripometer things in my, in my office. And uh, I've been messing with students and adults, you know, seeing how good your grip strength is. I mean, he probably would have broken my thing. He would have just in a, a pile of dust, you know. Just says, he's just tough. His dad, little stumpy fingers, but just like, you know, little pieces of iron, you know. And people that work on the water are tough people. I mean, they have to have a tough stomach to handle all the movement. I mean, these people have seen everything. Their experiences are tough. Their work is tough. The conditions they have to work in are tough. And so here are people, and these sailors, as tough as their life is, they are fearing for their lives. They're like, our ship's going to break apart. When they're throwing uh, um, items out, cargo, they're basically throwing money out. They're just saying, hey, you know, we'd rather live than have money to, to, you know, that we're going to need later. Well, we don't care about our stuff. We need to be able to live. But Jonah, on the other hand, is so numb to what's happening, he's sleeping in the hold. He's sleeping underneath. I mean, even these, these sailors, these, these pagans, these people that worship all kinds of gods, probably all types of, of, uh, of worship happening and superstitions and all these things, they're actually trying to figure out what's going on. You know, as misinformed as they might be, they're actually trying to figure out what's happening. But God is making it so clear to Jonah that he wants him to go to, to Nineveh, even when they have their game of lots, rock, paper, scissors, whatever it looked like, whether it were die or whatever, whatever it was that they were doing and using in ancient times there. The lot of all these people, it falls on him. And when they fully find out who he is, they're even more terrified. They're even more terrified. Verse 11, to continue on. And since the storm was getting worse, just when things were like bad enough, just when the storm is getting worse all the time, they asked him, why should we do, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. And I don't know if he's, is afraid now, or if he's real matter of fact, like, yeah, I know it's my fault, you know, we don't know his, his tone, but instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, for the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it, 
And then they cried out to the Lord, uh, Jonah's God, O Lord, they pleaded, do not make us die for this man's sin. Don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And then the sailors picked up Jonah and they threw him into the raging sea. So even though Jonah told them, the only way this is going to stop is if you just throw me in. Didn't seem real emotional to him. Didn't seem real, this is what needs to happen. I mean, he wasn't even, like, desiring to repent. I mean, like, think about this. They're all going to die, even Jonah. If this storm continues, they're all going to perish. And Jonah isn't saying, God, I'm so, I will go. No, no, he's not. He is so hardened, so against going, that he would rather die. You have to throw me over. And, and these guys, again, these aren't necessarily God-fearing people, and they're still trying to navigate the boat to avoid having to do that. And then they, they just come to the point where they're like, God of Jonah, we, we don't know what else to do. Sorry, forgive us. Please don't hold you know, his blood be on our... And they just take him, and they just throw him in the water. Um... My question is, why didn't you just jump in? Why do you make these people throw you? Just jump out. Just be like, guys, I'm sorry. You know, just, just jump. I mean, we'll never, you know, it's one of those things you wonder about in the, in, in the, in the story. Why don't, if, you, if you know what to do, man, just go, do it. Jump. And when the sailors picked up Jonah, verse 15, when they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice, and they, uh, they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and for three nights. And, and it's interesting because, you know, when they threw him in, I imagine that they throw him in, and all of a sudden, everything goes quiet. And is he just like treading water there? I, I don't know. <laughs> but all of a sudden, a fish comes. And that's probably when they're like, whoa, yeah. And uh, it's interesting because even Jonah's disobedience and his terrible testimony. I mean, you know, we all want to be a light wherever we go, right? And Jonah's got the worst testimony. I'm running away from God. You know, I don't care about you guys. I don't care if I die. I mean, that's his testimony. And yet, in the middle of all that, God moves in the lives of these men. Uh, you know, Jonah also doesn't realize that in this moment, God is actually showing his loving kindness and his mercy, the same that's going to be shown, about to be shown by the people of Nineveh. And at that point, Jonah, chapter 2, if you read it, he prays. He's in the, the, the inside of a large fish. And you can read that later on. I'm going to uh, take up from verse 10, and we're coming to the conclusion here. Chapter 2, verse 10, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah, as after his prayer, spit Jonah out onto the beach. Verse 1 of chapter 3, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command, and he went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, 
he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and they put on burlap to show their sorrow. And when the king of Nineveh had heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and he took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and he sat on a heap of ashes. Verse 7, then the king and his nobles sent this decree through the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways, stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind, hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Jonah walks into that city. Who knows what he looked like at that point? Maybe he cleaned himself up. Maybe he's like, I could give a rip about these people. I'm just going in like I am, coming out of a fish, looking like I look. His message is very simple. There's no screens on a verse. Oh, hey, everyone, look at the screen. I've got a video clip to show you and an image that'll tear your heart. You know, like, there's none of that. He just is like, in 40 days, God's going to kill you. Like, duh. Like, that's, that's his message. That's his preaching style. That's it. And the people actually believed God's message through Jonah. Nineveh was all in. Even their animals. It would be like if you repented of a sin and you went home and like made your dog repent too. Be like, hey dog, I'm, I'm fasting today and you're fasting too, you know, or your cat or whatever. I don't know. But they, I mean, even their, like this is how all in these people were, even their animals. But God saw their response relented on his judgment because that's what he wanted to do. And we're going to get to that. You would have thought by then that maybe Jonah's heart would be softened. You know, he sees these people. He sees how they're, they're just broken down. You know, they're just, they're just God, we are so wrong. We, we turn to you. I think that would have softened his heart. Guys, nothing. Zero. That's how, that is how full of jealousy and hatred and anger and bitterness this guy was. Uh, the fish, the fish makes him finally be like, God, okay, I'll go. But his heart is still rock solid. And then Jonah says this, I knew it. Have you ever had something happen? You go, I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. I knew it. Oh, if I did, I knew if I did this, you were going to do it. I knew it. You know, it's like, it's like we know something, and because we know it, we don't, we're like, why did I do that? I knew this was going to happen. You know, why didn't they just tell me I'm an idiot when I preached to them, and they just said, get out of here, you know, you weirdo, you know, get out of here, get, you know, get lost, beat it. You know, why didn't they do that? Because then I could just be like, ha, 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 40 days, you're dead. No, he says, I knew it. Jonah and the Israelites, they knew this about God. What did they know? I knew that you are merciful and a compassionate God, slow to get angry, 
filled with unfailing love, you are eager to turn back, eager from destroying people. You can look at the book of Genesis and see that. Remember Lot? If there's 50, I'll spare the city. If there's 40, Lord, what if there's 30? What if there's 20? What if there's 10? Yeah, God is eager to forgive, eager. That is incredible news, folks, that God is eager. Jonah decides to wait around the city, see what happens. As he's sitting there, God causes a leafy plant. Maybe one of these, you know, have you ever seen one of those leaves on an oak tree? You'll walk around, all of a sudden it's like oak leaf, like this big. You're like, what in the world? This plant grows with this big leaf and it provides shade. Have you ever been in a hot desert place? Man, you're loving shade. God causes it to grow up very quickly. Boom, shade. But then he's enjoying it. He's thankful for it. And then the next day a worm gets to it. And the plant dies. He becomes so hot that he wants to die. And then Jonah says this, the Lord says this to Jonah. You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly quickly, and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city. If I could have Heather come, that'd be great. So what is the application for us today? How do I take the story of, uh, of Jonah? How does it apply to my life? How does it fit into my faith? Number one, God is continually calling people to speak for him all the time. Uh, you have influence. You have places where God is literally calling you to go. Some of you, it's so close, it's actually in your family. Maybe you're here and you have an unbelieving spouse you live with. God is calling you, calling you to go and bring good news. You have a place where you work. You have a neighborhood. You have a sphere of influence in your life somewhere. God is continually calling. People going and sharing good news that God is full of loving kindness, eager to forgive, eager not to destroy. That's not a, that's not a, a, a message that was just for the, the church to, to, to do. This is Jonah. And he's saying to a nation, he's saying, Jonah, I want you to go and bring this message to this nation. It's the, the promise to Abraham that you'll be a blessing to all people on earth. It goes that far back. Number two, even in your hang-ups about others and all of our excuses, God wants to show mercy to you as well. Even though you and I are so flawed, we are so flawed. And just when you begin to think, I kind of have it together. Yeah, God will provide an opportunity to help you see, now you still need me more than you imagine, more than you know, more than you understand. God doesn't just want to show mercy and loving kindness to people that are completely lost, even to you and I, even to Jonah, who is so hardened. He wants to help bring that to you so that you can actually be a light to this world. And number three, as much as culture wants to convince you, and hear this, as much as this culture wants to convince you that the gospel is not good news. If you're a high school or middle school student, you have literally the best news, better than lottery winnings, 
better than, you know, picking up 10,000 followers on Instagram or whatever it might be. Whatever's the greatest to you. This is the greatest news. A full ride to the college of your choice. This is the greatest news that humanity has ever received. That your sins can be forgiven and you can actually live a full life on this earth. It's the best news there ever was. But culture wants to tell you, no, your news, this news of Jesus, no, no, no. That news excludes people. That news is not for everyone. That news is, is bad news. This is the greatest news that ever was. <coughs> and what is that good news? From the mouth of Jonah. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. I knew that you are merciful and a compassionate God, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. That is the good news that we have. And we can have hatred on our heart and we don't want to go. We can have busyness in our heart and we don't want to go. We can have jealousy in our heart and we don't want to go. We can have every excuse in the world. But the reality is, is we are called to go. To go. Wherever you are. We're going to have missionaries from Bangladesh here in a few weeks. If God's not calling you to Bangladesh, don't worry about it. But God is still calling you and I to go. There are people all around us that need that good news. They need it. They need to know that our God is a God who's merciful, who's compassionate, who's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. They need to know that. No matter what they look like, no matter where they're from, no matter what what lifestyle they're a part of, they need to know that this is the God that we're offering to them. What God does from there, he's God. We're saying, hey, this is our God. This is what he does. We're going to receive communion together in a moment. Pastor Brandon's going to lead us in that. But I'd like to pray real quick. Father, Lord, I thank you for Jonah. He's not a very good example to us, but we can relate to him. Lord, the greatest person in this story is you. You're the hero. You are the one that we want to emulate. But so many times we can relate so well to Jonah for whatever reasons. And I pray that today, if we have hangups or excuses or reasons that we even might even justify in our mind, Lord, help us to see that we are called to go. We can confess to you that maybe at times we believe the lie that, Jesus, you are not actually good news. The truth is, is that you are the best news there ever was. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that today. And Lord, we pray for those people in our lives that, that maybe are sort of like the Ninevites to us. Maybe we despise them. Maybe they rub us the wrong way. They're just difficult for us for whatever reason. God, we pray for them today.
Holy Spirit, we pray you'd move and work and do things in their life that only you can do. Holy Spirit, go before us. Give us wisdom. Give, give us creativity. Let us hear the voice of your spirit today. Give us power that we can speak life to those around us. And Lord, we'll say thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Hans. If you'll go ahead and prepare your elements, I want to tell you today, if, if you know the 16 fundamentals of the Assemblies of God, there, there are 16 of them, but I want to focus on the ordinances. These are things that we adhere to that uh, there, there are two. There are, it's water baptism and communion. And Jesus tells his disciples, he's, he's, he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And what does he tell his disciples? He says to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so today we, if you've not been water baptized, there are opportunities for that. But we've come and we, we do that as a declaration of our testimony before God, but in obedience of God. And in the same way, the, the Roman Catholic Church has what's called sacraments. And maybe you've come from that, that background. But these are sacraments that do contain baptism, contain communion, but the difference is those are conditional for salvation. And do you realize today that there's nothing we can do to add, there's nothing we can do to gain salvation. It was freely given through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross for each one of us. Salvation is that free gift. And I want to say, aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for that? That there's nothing we have to do any more than to confess our sins, say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that your work on the cross was more than enough. The Catholic Church would believe that as we take this, this literally becomes the body and, and the blood. It does not. We are simply acting in obedience for what Jesus told his disciples on the very same night he was to be uh, betrayed by one of them. In Luke 22, it says, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, today, because of your command, Lord, for your desire that we remember, Lord, and, and we bring back to our memories all that you've done for us. We take this bread now, Lord God, representing your body, and we say thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ, for our sins, crushed for our iniquities, Lord God. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake. In the same manner, it says, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this, is, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So Lord, not as a ritual, but Lord, in remembering your blood. God, we thank you for salvation for each one of us, God. And Lord, we recognize that it was through the cross, through your suffering, Lord God. So today, as we partake of this cup, we remember your blood. Let's partake together. Hallelujah. Stand together, if you will, today.
I've heard this spoken before, maybe you have in this very chapter of Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go to his disciples. He doesn't say, if you want to. He doesn't say, go, but go to those people that are only lovely and, and not, not those people. He just simply tells us to go. And I think Pastor Hans reiterated very much that today. So Father, Lord, as we walk out these doors, we have an incredible message. Lord, and it wasn't given, salvation wasn't given to us just so we can sit on it. Lord, as we exit these doors today, Lord, we're gonna face a world of people, Lord God, that need to hear what you've done for them. Lord, we can tell them about the blood and the body, Lord. We can tell them about salvation, but Lord, let us go. Let us do the work that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that you would uh, convict our hearts, Lord God, if, if we are anything like Jonah, walking the opposite way and ignoring you, Lord. That's a miserable life to be had. Lord, today we wanna honor you and we wanna uh, tell people about you, God. Lord, I pray that as we go our separate ways today that you would be a blessing in our lives through us. Lord, and uh, at the next appointed time for us to come together, Lord, we would come with a, a heart ready and willing, Lord God, to worship you, to lift you up and to hear your word. Speak to us, we pray. Go with us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you go today.